God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours from our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus. Amen. We return to the scripture lesson a moment ago. The first verse in that lesson, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Friends in Christ, builders, women in this community aspire to be deaconesses, men to be pastors, shepherds. We study and prepare to do ministry. Should we perhaps aim higher and to effect strength and solidarity in the churches. That's something more than just doing things, you know. About building, about growing, about becoming strong, some persons in the church, probably in every age, are somewhat misguided. At Corinth, some Christians touted tongues, glossolalia, as a sign of vitality. Spiritual ecstasy. Will it build the church? Mind you, building is a priority. Strive to excel in building up the church, exhorts the apostle. And yet St. Paul was a real spoiler when he hinted, What use are tongues in the open assembly of the church unless there be interpretation. That is, unless extrapolated from the unknown language is meaning, substance. Case in point, how shall the novice, the uninitiated, one translation says the outsider, that's a little far afield, really means how shall the person ungifted in the fellowship say amen to songs of praise in an unknown language when he doesn't know what you're saying. Verses 16 and 17. Case in point again. If all of you in the assembly are speaking at once and each in an unknown tongue and an unbeliever happens into the congregation, why, he'll surely conclude that you people are mad. St. Paul himself joyfully prayed and he sang with the Spirit more practice than the best of them at Corinth. He states, I build up, edify, however, not by speaking 10,000 words in tongues, but I would prefer to just have five words intelligible, clear. That was his preference in the church. Frankly, building up the churches, prophecy, he says, is much to be preferred. Preferred over tongues. This is in the church, that is taking nothing away from one's private devotions as an individual Christian. 
Well, there is something qualitative here, and scrolling forward to the last verse in this text, uh, in this pericope, uh, be not children, uh, be not infants. Oh, uh, it's all right to uh, be children uh, vis-a-vis the evils in the culture. Tonight uh, is the... uh, First uh, program, Rules of Engagement, and the come on in the post-dispatch yesterday was uh, three men and two women in bed. It's very advisable that we be somewhat naive and be infants about the evils of the age. Indeed. But Paul is saying, relative to the use of gifts in the church... Be not immature, but rather be smart, be confident, and be mature. And who was a better model for such maturity than St. Paul himself? For in the very early days of his ministry in this city of Corinth, he and Silas and uh, Timothy joined them too, spent one and a half years teaching the Word of God. That's substance, my friends. He began his ministry not praying in tongues, nor for that matter with uh, some of the peripherals of our own time, uh, books and articles and websites and blogs and workshops, uh, not with all of that, but with substance. How so? Acts 18 says attesting to the Jews and to others that Christ is Jesus. That's substance. Strive to excel in building. Building? Well, some people perceive buildings like this, of wood and stone and glass and steel. Is that what the apostle refers to? Other persons refer to building as growing the church, numbers, increasing the church roles, getting more people in, more warm bodies. That's a building of a sort, but is that what Paul's talking about here? Well, there are no architectural notes that remain from the apostolic era, probably because there were none. And relative to numbers, um, well, the book of Acts is dotted with reports how the disciples were multiplied, first in Jerusalem and then in the larger areas of Judea and Samaria and Galilee, indeed. But numbers were always a footnote. They were never the main event, the chief thing, the building up. Well, let us say of the Christians at Ephesus, for instance. St. Paul prayed that Christians there would be strong and possess power to comprehend. And then did you catch the next phrase? The length and the breadth and the height and the depth. Those expansive and inclusive terms embracing the divine mystery now disclosed, revealed, and made known in God's way. 
Christ Jesus and the divine word of grace to poor sinners. Check it out in Ephesians. How shall you build? What are you building now? Indeed, our hearts and our minds may be very well focused to serving our future congregations as deaconesses and pastors for the strengthening of the disciples there, for the building up, but a lot depends upon right here and perhaps now. How shall we have strength then? The length and breadth and height and depth. Now, it depends upon the whereabouts of your mind and the filling of your understanding by the Spirit. The venerable Erlangen professor Werner Ehlert viewed the study of theology as a pathway leading to the Scriptures and to comprehending that word in the light and life of Jesus Christ. So related Dr. Keller to a handful of us last Friday afternoon. The lesson, study, prepare, so that the mind, the understanding, is filled so that you may go out into the churches and set forth before the people the Holy Scriptures, always tying things together by that golden thread woven from Genesis to Revelation, our Lord Jesus Christ, God's light and life among us in Him. You know, there are two things here, order and anchor. We shall not confuse those. There is order There are methods for working with God's people in the church. There are policies. There are even some old fuddy-duddy documents like congregation constitutions. And there's all the new stuff that's bursting forth on the Internet that you can pull down at random. That's all part of the order. But the plea of the apostle today, at least by implication, seems to be that we give more attention to the anchor. That there's something foundational that builds for strength in the church. That all of our ministries, however you want to tabulate them, worship, witness, nurture, care, Service, you want to add to the list, go right ahead. But whatever those ministries are, they find an anchor in the substance of the gospel and its articles according to the scriptures. Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, writes St. Paul in his preface to the exhortation before us this morning, the exhortation to build up the church, why, that's a real cue for us, is it not? Eager we are for grades, eager for the winter quarter to end, and winter too, be even more eager for manifestations of the Spirit to you in your study of theology. The Spirit is so crucial, 
as we in our hearts and minds determine to build the church. There is a positioning of what the Spirit gives. Nothing comes by pure absorption in the ecstatic, marginalizing the mind, the understanding. And so frustrating are the sour fruits harvested from a spirituality of our time, some of it in the church, when there is no meaning, no substance, when a lot of excitement overshadows and overwhelms. What did St. Paul say? The substance, the length and the breadth, the height and the depth. Well, perhaps then the old Christian and missionary alliance facing the tongues question a century ago in the year 1907 was on to something when they enunciated the attitude, seek not, forbid not. A positioning of tongues, perhaps, and a corollary might be with the mind, with understanding, build and excel, building up the church. Amen. And now may God's peace, which certainly surpasses all of our comprehension, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.